0: Well, this morning, seeing as it's the first Sunday of the new year, I wanted to talk to you about Great Expectations. Isn't that a neat title? I just, I just kind of came up with that. Good. And those of you who are younger who never read the book in school going, what? What's he talking about? What's he talking about? So Great Expectations. What are your expectations what kind, of an expe- what kind of expectations do you have for the new year? What expectations do you have for 2020? What do you expect to happen in your world and in your life? I saw the other day that somebody uh, put on Facebook uh, that they wanted you to think back to January of 2019 and think to the end of 2019 and ask yourself, is this where you expect it to be? And most people answered, No. And the reason is, is because we're not in charge. That's the real reason why. We are not in charge as much as we think we are. And as much as we wanted to be. <coughs> you know, excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat for some reason this morning. But great expectations. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, please take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 30, and we're going to get a glimpse into from this Psalm. <coughs> excuse me, and uh, we're going to get a glimpse into some great expectations. I recently read an article that listed the five most popular re- resolutions that are made every year by people. we want to guess? Weight loss, that's one for sure. What else? I'm sorry, what? Organization. Actually, that didn't make the top five. What, somebody else said it over here quit smoking make more money take i think exercise kind of went with weight loss yeah make more money improve relationships and take up a new hobby mm. well this reminds me of a story of a woman who walked into her bathroom and she saw her husband standing on the scale weighing himself and as he was weighing himself he was sucking in his stomach The woman thought to herself, if he thinks that sucking in his stomach is going to make him weigh less, then he's dumber than I first believed. So she sarcastically said to him, honey, sucking in your stomach is not going to help. He said, sure it will, it's the only way I can see the numbers. (laughs) So here we go. Psalm 30, starting in verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol and you have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones. And give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. In this psalm, David gives us three great examples of how we can have great expectations for the new year. And there's an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along, and uh, three ways and uh, three examples of how we can have great expectations. And the first is this, looking back. The first thing we need to do to have great expectations for the new year is to look back over our life. Look again at verse 1. Look what he says. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. I will extol you. I will praise you. And to praise means to glorify on purpose. It's an intensive and intentional action. I will praise you, Lord, David says. Now, why is David going to praise the Lord? Well, David's going to tell us. In verse 1, he said, you have rescued me. You have rescued me. In verse 2, he said, you restored my health. And in verse 3, he said, you have saved my soul. So David says, Lord, I'm going to praise you for what you have done for me. When I look back over my life and I think things over, I remember all that you have done for me. And for that, I will praise you. When I think of your goodness, I have no choice but to praise your name. G.S. Bowes, a 19th century preacher and author, once said that praise is the rent that we owe God. Kind of like that. And he concluded that the larger your house, the greater the rent should be. In other words, the more blessings that you observe from the Lord, the more praise is required of you. Because God doesn't bless us so that we can feel good about ourselves. He blesses us because we are his instruments of glory. And God is glorified as we declare to others that all the blessings that we have come from him. You see, it's easy to get tripped up in our pursuit of prosperity and forget that it all comes from from God. This is what happened to David. Look at verses 6 through 10 with me of the same passage. And this is what it says. It says, Now, as for me... I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved, O Lord. For your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. And then he says this What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me, O Lord. Be my helper. The pride of prosperity had caused David to forget his need to trust in the Lord and caused him to boast in a spirit of self-confidence and self-sufficiency. Look what, how verse uh, 6 is put in the New Living Translation. It says, when I, was prospe- pro- when I was prosperous, I said, Nothing can stop me now. That's really what he was saying here. And God says, Oh yeah, Right? We need to remember that everything comes from God, friends. Everything comes from God. This will help us to constantly put our trust in Him to meet our needs. Because if we start trusting in ourselves, I don't know about you, but I know me pretty good, and I'd much rather trust God than trust me, okay? That's my choice, for sure. We put our trust in God because He provides us with. Everything. So the first way we can have great expectations for the new year is by looking back. The second is this, appreciation. The second we need to do is to have, great, to have great expectations for the new year is we need to sing and give thanks. In other words, we need to show our appreciation to God. Look at verse 4 again. It says, sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. So we need to look back over our life, and now we need to sing, and give thanks, and praise God. There are two commands here in verse 4, to sing praise to God, and to give thanks. David is calling all of us to show appreciation for what God has done for us. Notice this, he didn't say, David didn't say, okay, everyone with a good voice sing praises. So if you can't sing, you're not off the hook, friends. Did David say? Uh, David said, "Everyone who knows God, sing his praises." Now is your chance to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. If you cannot sing, we need to show God our appreciation, and not just through song, and not just through giving thanks in ourselves, but again in showing that same appreciation. To others, Let others see how much you appreciate God. Let others know how much you love God. Let others see you worship God. Our appreciation to God should be declared to all mankind because, again, that brings God glory. Now, here's the third one, and this is the biggest one. When we're looking to have great expectations for 2020, We need to trust God for the results in our lives. You see, there's a past, present, and future thing going here. Did you kind of catch this in this psalm with David? There's a past, present, and future. We need to look back over our lives. We need to sing, that's our past. We need to sing, give praise and thanks in the present. And we need to trust God for the results in the future. Look at verse 5. David gives three reasons here as to why we can trust God for the results. And you can write these down in your notes. Three reasons why we can trust God for the results. And the first is this. God's anger, oops, I'll read that to you. God's anger is only for a moment. Only for a moment. Psalm 103 says this. Look what it says in Psalm 103. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. I can't think of a better reason to praise him. I can't think of a a better reason to sing and give thanks. Because God has every, every right to be angry with us. Think about that. Verse 10 of this passage reminds us that he has not dealt with us according to our offenses. He has not punished us. For our sins, for that we ought to say, "Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord." It's a good thing that He hasn't punished us for our sins, isn't it? I love to ask people, "Do is God fair?" No, He's not, because if He was, His anger wouldn't last only for a moment, would it? Thank you, God, that You are not fair. Thank you, God, that You are gracious. Thank you, God, that you have not dealt with me according to my sins and that you have not rewarded me according to my iniquities. Thank you, God. So the first reason that we can trust God is his anger is only for a moment. The second reason we should trust God for the results is also found in verse 5. It is this, that his favor is for a lifetime. His favor lasts a lifetime. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but you know that verse may confuse me a little bit. His favor lasts a lifetime. Wait, wait a minute. God shows favoritism. Well, he must. Because it says here that his favor lasts a lifetime. If God doesn't show favoritism, how can it last a lifetime? Makes sense, right? People may think that's not fair. But how would you expect our Heavenly Father to treat us? How would you expect him to treat us as his children? Wouldn't you expect him to treat us with favor if he loves us? Wouldn't you expect that? Look what it says in Luke chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, he says, Is there a man among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good for those who ask him? You see, we need to trust God for His results because He knows what's best for us. God's not an idiot, right? And He treats us with favor. He's going to give us the best things. Jesus says to His disciples, okay, you guys are idiots. This is basically what He said. You guys are idiots. You're not very smart. And you have kids. And you know that if your kid asks for bread, you don't give him a stone. And you even know that if your kid asks for a fish, you don't give him a snake. Okay, and you're an idiot. But God's a lot smarter. So if you know that, how much more does God know to show us His favor and to bless us with the right thing? And we need to trust God for the results because, keep in mind, with all of this, His favor lasts a lifetime. So God's favor is not for a moment, you know. It it, it doesn't come and go based on our behavior, You may have had friends or other people in your life who their favor towards you totally depends on how they feel about you that particular day. Bosses can be like that. Friends can be like that. But God is never like that. His favor lasts a lifetime. And it lasts a lifetime because his word says it does. And not only is it just God's favor, but God's favor is, if I, ha- if I could get the favor of anybody in this world, there's p- other people I'd like to get favor from, but God's favor is the best favor. It's the greatest favor. Because as Jesus told his disciples, you're idiots and you know what's good. God's a lot smarter than you are. He knows what's great. So God's favor, which is great, lasts for a lifetime. The third reason we need to trust God for the results is this. That joy is on the way. Yahoo! That sounds good, doesn't it? Joy is on the way. Joy is on the way. Look at verse uh, 5 again. Look what it says. It says, For his anger is but for a moment, his favors for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Weeping may go on all night long, but joy comes with the mourning. Now understand this and, and read this here. Before we get to the joy, and I want to talk about that joy, let's spend a few minutes talking about the weeping, okay? You're like, sir, I don't want to talk about the weeping. How many people like the weeping part? If you do, there's something wrong with you, I'm just saying. Why do we need to talk about the weeping? Because we have to go through the weeping before we get to the joy. Friends, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but weeping and joy go hand in hand. When you're watching a football game, what's more exciting? When you totally destroy a team and it's a blowout by the third quarter, it, it becomes a snoozer, right? But if it's a close game and maybe you've been behind and you're fighting back it's the last minute and all of a sudden you kick a field goal as time expires to win the game. There's a lot more joy experienced at that moment than there is in the other game, isn't there? Why? Because there was weeping. There was weeping in there. And for some of us with our sports teams, there's a lot of weeping. (laughs) And we're still waiting for the joy. I don't want to get off on a tangent this morning, but that's okay. You you might say you can't have one without the other. David says, there's going to be weeping. It's going to happen. Remember what Jesus said in John uh, chapter 16, and this is out of the NIV. Look what Jesus said. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There will be weeping. But... Look at the verse. Weeping may go on all night, but the story doesn't end there. But joy comes with the morning. In other words, you're going to cry sometimes, you're going to face difficulties, you're going to face challenges, you're going to have some lonely nights. You're going to have times where you s- the the situation seems impossible. You will have times where you will just weep. But joy comes in the morning. What does that mean? Joy comes in the morning. What does that mean? It means this friends, help is on the way. It means hold on. It means don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't surrender. Just hold on and keep the faith. Help is on the way. But in order for us to hang on, we must remember all that the Lord has done for us in the past. Because you can sit there and say, How long? How long do I have to wait, God? How long do I have to hold on? Well, that's why David started with looking at what has happened in the past. Remembering all that God does. Remembering all that God is. You see, friends, 2019 may have been a rough year for some of us. Some of us have faced great challenges this past year. Huge disappointments. Things have happened in our lives that have completely upset the apple cart. Health issues, financial struggles, difficulties with relationships. And for some of us, it may take every ounce of strength we have to hold on for that joy that David says is coming in the morning. Because the truth is, some of us are still waiting for that dawn. And it seems like this night has lasted for an awfully long time. So, what are your expectations for the new year? Do you have great expectations for 2020? We're five days in. How is it so far? Do you trust that God will see you through whatever challenges from 2019 you are still dealing with? Do you trust Him? And do you trust God to see you through whatever 2020 holds in store for you? I hate to start the year off on this kind of a tone, but you know what? There's going to be some weeping in 2020. There is. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. He didn't say, in this world you will have nothing but cupcakes and rainbows. David says that after the weeping comes joy. So I want to recommend this to all of us this year as we journey through 2020. We know there's going to be weeping. We know that. Okay? All right. But we know that joy. Comes in the morning. So I want to encourage all of us to look for the joy. Even in the midst of the weeping, let's look forward to the joy. Let's look for the joy. Because I don't know about you, but for me, I've also learned in my life that at any time there is weeping, there is still joy. And why is there still joy? Because we have Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of weeping, there is joy. So I want to encourage you as as we journey through 2020 together this year, let's look for the joy. And let's give God all the praise. Let's give God all the glory. So I want to take us through a very short exercise this morning. And I want us to go through the same exercise that David went through when he wrote this psalm. So, This is going to make some of you uncomfortable, but I don't care. (laughs) Um, We're just going to take some quiet moments here. I would like everybody just to close their eyes. And I just want to take a moment, and I want you to look back. Let's just look back over 2019. Everything that's happened. Take a moment and remember some of the events. Some of you who are real technical will go through each month, but just take a few moments and remember the things that happened in 2019, the good things and the bad things. So I'm going to shut up now, and let's just take a, a minute to do that. I just want you to take a minute to give God thanks for this past year. Go ahead. As we look forward to 2020, let's look for the joy, friends. Would you stand with me as I close this in prayer? I'm going to borrow Paul's words this morning as I close this in prayer and declare this. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask, think, or even imagine, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus and to all of us and all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Have a blessed day. Go Vikings.